Isn't it good to be here? Amen. Thank you. Yes. Sister Dean's glad to be here. I'm glad that y'all are here. And it is homecoming Sunday. Oh, my golly. The, the food that came out of the joiner house alone would feed every single person who's here and every single person who's watching. If you're watching and you're, you're not on your way, uh, you're, you know, maybe you're just delayed a little bit, come on because there's, there's a bunch of food. So make sure that you stay and celebrate with us on our homecoming service. We're so, so excited. Also, you were given a piece of paper, and we'd like for you to fill that out. If you have, uh, it was one per family, but if you have kids, you're welcome to, uh, to fill that out. It was, it was given to the people who are regular attenders, but it, hey, if you are not a regular attender and you plan to be, we'll happily give you a piece of paper. So... <laughs> Um, but we just flagged Gretchen down because that's her responsibility today is giving away the uh, the papers. So thank you so much, Gretchen, for taking care of that. Uh, but we we do we will gather those up at um, if you want to just take them over to the fellowship hall and uh, we'll put them in a pile and and gather them then. So just hold on to it until then. Fill that in and because uh, we want to do some some neat stuff. We have capabilities that we're not utilizing, so we want to take care of that and send out emails and texts and we just want to get up with you really just want to be able to do that so uh, also keep in mind that the 19th is our father's day breakfast make plans to be here for that we will not be here and, and doing live stream but we'll be over in the fellowship hall eating and enjoying ourselves women can eat too but the men we want to celebrate you especially so so be here for that. Uh, invite lots of people with you. We're going to have plenty of food, plenty and plenty, I'm sure of it. So come on over and celebrate with us for Father's Day. Any other announcements, uh, we will certainly let you know. Uh, today, if y'all don't know, today is Pentecost Sunday. It is. It is Pentecost Sunday, and we, we celebrate that, and we are Pentecostal. Glory. We believe that the Holy Spirit was poured out on the day of Pentecost and that that was just the beginning and that it continues today and the power of the Holy Spirit is alive and well within our church and, and that he works in us to accomplish great things. So that's, that's part of our, our Pentecostal heritage is what happened in Acts chapter 2 on the day of Pentecost. But something that was really important, more than more than just 
the Spirit speaking through them was that they were all in one of mine, in one accord. That was how the Spirit was able to move. If they had all been in different places and they had all been doing different things and their mind had been on a hundred different things and not focused on receiving, then perhaps the Spirit would not have moved in the same way that He did. But today, we are here together. We are here to honor the Lord and to meet with Him. So I hope and I pray that we are all in one mind and one accord today. Amen. Let's stand and go to the Lord in prayer. Ask Him to have His will in the service. Heavenly Father, we thank You. God, we are so grateful to You for who and what You are. God, that You sent Your only Son to die for our sins, but also to be resurrected for our victory. And Father, I thank You that you sent the Holy Spirit to be our guide, to be our constant help, God, to be our comforter, to come into our hearts and live with us. Father, I thank you and I praise you for each part of the Trinity. We are so grateful for who you are. God, I just thank you and I praise you that today we are able to gather together in community. And God, that we are able to come together in a spirit of unity, God, in one mind and one accord. And we pray that you would change our hearts and minds today, that we would honor you and please you in the way that we respond to you. God, I pray against any division. I just ask that you would cast down anything that would displease you, and God, help us to honor and please you in all that we say and do. God, I pray that everything that is done from the very first prayer to the very last prayer would lift you up and bring you glory. In Jesus' precious holy name we pray. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Heavenly Father. worship the God who was, we worship the God who is, we worship the God who evermore will be. He opened the prison doors, He parted the raging sea, my God, He holds the victory. There's joy in the house of the Lord, there's joy in the house of the Lord today. And we won't be quiet, we'll shout out your praise. There's joy in the house of the Lord, our God is surely in this place. And we won't be quiet, we'll shout out your praise. We'll shout out your praise. We sing to the God who heals. We sing to the God who saves. We sing to the God who always makes a way. Cause they hung upon that cross and he rose up from that grave. My God still rolling stones away. There's joy in the house of the Lord. There's joy in the house of the Lord today. And we won't be quiet. We'll shout out your praise. There's joy in the house of the Lord. Our God is surely in this place. And we won't be quiet. We'll shout out your praise. Because we were the beggars, but now we're royalty. We were the prisoners, and now we're running free. We are forgiven, accepted, redeemed by His grace. 
Let the house of the Lord sing praise. Sing that again. Because we were the beggars, and now we're royalty. We were the prisoners, and now we're running free. We are forgiven, accepted, redeemed by His grace. Let the house of the Lord sing praise. There's joy in the house of the Lord. There's joy in the house of the Lord today. And we won't be quiet. We'll shout out your praise. There's joy in the house of the Lord. Our God is surely in this place. And we won't be quiet. We'll shout out your praise. There's joy in the house of the Lord. There's joy in the house of the Lord today. And we won't be quiet. We'll shout out your praise. There's joy in the house of the Lord. Our God is surely in this place. And we won't be quiet. We'll shout out your praise. We'll shout out your praise. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. You are good. You are good. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Why would I worry? When giants come calling my name My God is so much bigger than troubles I face Why would I hunger for power or riches or fame? My God is so much better than all of these things. So I won't be shaken. No, I won't be moved. Cause my God is faithful. His promise is true. To the mountains, it's time to move. Cause my God is great, better, stronger, greater than you. My enemies scatter, cause they know the battle is done. Oh, my God is stronger, the victory is already won. Yes, he died for my ransom and rose up on the third day. Oh, my God. 
receive our tithe and offering if our usher will come at this time. Brother Jordan, will you say the blessing of the offering this morning, please? 
This revival and it's spreading like a wildfire in my heart. A Sunday morning, hallelujah, and it's lasting all week long. Can you hear it? Can you feel it?
to sing today and uh, have only one of my singing fans here. Um, Sister um, Nance was one of my fans for singing and she had to move with her family when Brother Nance passed and Sister uh, Keller and she now cannot drive to be here. Uh, on her own. She has to wait for others to bring her, and so she's not able to be here. And Shane. So, bless you, Shane. Amen and amen and amen. Well, I'm not alone. I need to get the microphone, I guess, down here. Where I usually have a lapel on, but somebody's got it besides me. Praise you, the Lord. Amen. Hallelujah. So let me get the microphone. I believe it's, I believe it's there now. Amen. Well, I'm not on an ego trip.
Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Desperation, I'll seek heaven and pray this for you. I pray for your healing, 
the circumstances would change. I pray that the fear inside would flee in Jesus' name. I pray that a breakthrough would happen today. I pray miracles over your life in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. I speak the name of all authority, declaring blessings, every promise. He is faithful to keep. I speak the name no grave could ever circumstances would change. I pray that the fear inside would flee. In Jesus' name, I pray that a breakthrough would happen today. I pray miracles over your life. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. circumstances would change. I pray that the fear inside would flee. In Jesus' name, I pray that a breakthrough would happen today. I pray miracles over your life. In Jesus' name, I pray for revival, restoration of faith. I pray that the dead would come alive in Jesus' name, in Jesus' Good to be here on Homecoming Sunday. Gretchen, killed it. Good job. Great to see you, Pastor Chuck. It is now time to receive prayer requests this morning. Sister Hager. Yes, let's pray for Sister Hager's family. Sister Keller, Ken, and Diane. Brother Mike. Daughter-in-law, brother Mike, yes. Sister Robin. Yes. 
let's pray for Sister. Pray for Robin's granddaughter and definitely faith. Let's pray for Sister Shuggy. Missed her this morning. Sister Judy. Pray for Sister Judy's daughters for complete healing. Yes. Pray for Kim and Jason and pray that the surgery procedure goes well. Anyone else? If not, raise hands for unspoken requests. Stand with me as we. You give life, you are love, you bring life. To the darkness you give hope, you restore every heart that is broken. And great are you, Lord. It's your Till he called my name I'm so glad he changed me
Y'all know us. We will fellowship. <laughs> Looking for the baby. Y'all know us. We will fellowship as for a long, long time. But make sure that y'all stay and uh, fellowship over in the fellowship hall. Thank you in advance for all those who are going to take care of um, <laughs> setting it up and cleaning it up. And thank you. I say thank you. Thank you. Uh, doesn't everything look beautiful? Yes. Look at this. Look at this. Y'all saw our new sign, right? Thanks to Amanda for uh, putting that up and um, making sure it was <laughs> making sure that it was straight and, and looked nice. And uh, thank you to Lisa for all these beautiful. I mean, it it looks fabulous. It really does. So thank you so much. We really do appreciate it, and um, and do want to do want to say thank you again. So uh, just I don't know a few. How long, babe? Was it? It's about a month ago. But a month ago, and I'm not preaching, and Michael said, oh, is, is little Aneva preaching today? No, it's homecoming, so we have a guest speaker, but, um, but you know, you can get to listen to me. So about a month ago, it was around Shane's birthday, and we were, we were at Epic Chop House because he, he got to decide, and we also had a gift card. So um, we, we were there and just eating our, enjoying ourselves. And, um, I mean, I, my head was down, like, just cutting up my, my food, and, ooh, it was delicious. It was so tasty. And all of a sudden, I hear, hey, how are y'all? And I look up, and there's somebody sitting at our table. And it was like, okay, what on earth? It was, it was such a shock. I was like, what? And it was Pastor Chuck. He, he had a business meeting there uh, that night, and we were so, you know how sometimes you go out and you see people that you know and you try to, like, kind of try to not make eye contact and pretend that you don't see them and hope that they don't see, that they also pretend that they don't see you. But I didn't feel that way at all. So I just, that should give you an indication of how much we love you, Pastor Chuck. We really do. We love you, Shane and I both. We love you. We appreciate you. 
Shane, he did. He kept on. He said, would it be weird if I took some of the steak over to Pastor Chuck and let him taste some of it? Yes, it would be weird, honey. In the middle of his meeting, it, to, to just hand him a fork full of food, that would be strange, so let's not do that. But, um, again, we... <laughs> yes, oh, bless, I know, bless your heart. So, we, we do, we love and appreciate Pastor Chuck. You guys have heard him before. Last year, he was here with us, and, and we're very excited that he's here again. So, thank you, Pastor Chuck. We are excited to hear the word. Uh, Lord, help us to be open and receptive to whatever you have to say. Amen. Amen. Good to be with you here today in the house of the Lord. All the songs were perfect. For me today. And the thing about the name of Jesus, it kind of reminds me of something that happened to me a number of years ago. I was preaching in the Czech Republic, the former Czechoslovakia. And I'd heard that this one town that we're going to, there was a fellow there, kind of like a Rasputin kind of guy, uh, that he would... I want to tear up meetings when you would go in to talk about the Lord. So I was, I was really concerned about that. It was a little town called Domeslitz in the Czech Republic. So I had a lot of major concern about it. So then I had to take it to the Lord and started praying in, in the Spirit. Because the Bible says that when you pray in tongues, you pray forth mysteries. But also I, I needed His help that day. I didn't want this guy to stand up and just start railing and shouting and, and rallying the people. And so got there to the meeting uh, hall that early that evening and praying, just pacing back and forth, pacing. pacing. See, I was more concerned about the fellow than I was knowing that my God was going to, going to do more than I could ask or think. And so as I stood there in front trying to get ready around the lectern, and here he comes. He had this fellow, he came in, he was probably about this tall, his beard was twice as long as yours, Rodney. And he came in, had these steely blue eyes. I mean, he just, he stared me down as he walked into that room. I thought, oh boy, this is, this is here it comes. And so he sat right there in the front row. And his, his comrade sat right over here on the opposite side. And he's just staring me down. He's ready for me to start. So I stood up. And I, and I, I said, I'm here in the name of the beautiful Lord Jesus Christ. As soon as I said the name Jesus Christ, he dropped his head and immediately went to sleep. You can praise the Lord now if you like. God instantly put him out. He did not wake up until we said, Amen, it's over. Amen. That's the God that we serve. And that's the one that I want to talk to you about this morning, if it's okay with you. I want to ask you, do we have any, you know, if, if you're on an airplane or if you're in a business or something, someone gets sick, you say, is there a doctor in the house? Is that right? Yeah. Well, I want to ask today, with the world being so sick, is there a priest in the house? Do we have anybody that's a priest in here with you? Raise your hand if you're a priest. Anybody's a priest? Okay. All right. Oh, okay. I want to, because we have only one hand, I want you to turn to Revelation chapter 1. Revelation chapter 
The Bible declares in Revelation chapter 1, verse 1, the revelation of Jesus Christ, who God gave unto him, to show unto all of his servants the things which more shortly come to pass. And he sent and signified it by his angel unto his servant John, who bore record of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ, and of all things he saw. Blessed is he that reads and that hears the words of this prophecy, and keeps these things which are written therein, for in the time of, is at hand. John to the seven churches which are in Asia, grace unto you and peace from him which is and which was and which is to come, and from the seven spirits which were before the throne of God, and from Jesus Christ who is a faithful witness, the first begotten of the dead and the prince of the kings of the earth, unto him that loved us and washed us by our sins by his own hand, Read this. And hath made us kings and priests unto our God and his Father. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. The Bible says that if we are saved, if we are redeemed, if we are born again, if we are washed in the blood, he hath already made us priests and kings unto our God. So I want to ask you now. How many priests? How many anybody saved in the house today? Raise your hand. Put them down. Do we have any priests in the house today? Do we have any kings in the in the house today? Folks, the reason that we are not seeing God move like He wants to move is because we don't understand who we are. The 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 priests of Israel, every one of them, they were anointed to be priests. For everyone that became king, they had to be anointed to be king. Well, the Bible tells me in Isaiah chapter 10 that there's an anointing that breaks the yoke of bondages. Do you know bondages that need to be broken? Say, so, you know, I've been praying for a long time, and, I, and God still has an answer. It could be because we're, we're, we're outside of what He's called us to be. He's called, we are outside of what He has called us to be and to have an understanding. A priest is someone that brings God to the people and bring the people to God. A king is someone who has jurisdiction. The Bible says for us to occupy until He comes. Occupy does not mean just take up space. You know, if we are just going to take up space, we can just say, I'm pretty much a doorstop. I don't feel, feel that God calls kids to be doorstops. He calls them to be His people. The reason that that fellow went to sleep that day was, number one, because of Jesus Christ. Yes. But then number two, he sent one of his children into a place that was dark to bring lightness. Praise the Lord. And so for have, to be a priest and a king in the household of God is something very important. Oh. It's not something that we can brag or boast about, but it says the reason that we are a priest is that we might bring glory into God. Thank you, Lord. Now, how many of you know, it's in First Peter chapter 2, I believe, verse 9, that it says that we are a royal priesthood. Have you ever thought about that? That that right there says we are a royal priesthood. So we've quoted that. A peculiar people. We spend more time preaching about that we are peculiar people. I'm telling you what, we're sometimes weirdos. 
We spend more time preaching about peculiar people than understanding that we are a royal priesthood and we are to give glory to God. That's the reason that we do not see the things that happened in the first century church. It's because we are different people. I, I run into people all the time. I counseled all day yesterday, and I talked to people, and they said, listen, I've been praying, but God hasn't answered. Well, sometimes I think that we're living in a subpar understanding. The Bible says we are snared by the words of our own mouth. I mean, if you know that verse. We are snared by our own words. As a man thinks, or, or in his heart, so is he. If we think that we are bugs, if we're little, then that's you, you are what you say you are. My God. There are circumstances and situations that are dictating to us rather than we are dictating our circumstances and our situations. There's an old fellow, he says, hey, how you doing? He says, I'm doing fine under the circumstances. He said, what are you doing under them? You need to be over them. So when we think about if, if, if you have a pain or if you have a situation, you have problems on your job, you have problems in your relationships, you have problems and difficulties, and all over that you're having situations, we need to see that we, are, that we serve the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. He is the King of Kings. How many kings do we have in the house today? Oh, yes, I'm not talking about cards. And I'm not talking about playing cards. And I'm not talking about playing church. I'm not talking about uh, playing church. I'm talking about being on the cutting edge of what God wants us to be and to, and to do. And so many times we are allowing our circumstances and our situations to rattle us and, and turn us uh, inside out and just beat us up, beat us down. We're even allowing that in sibling rivalry where we're comparing ourselves with other people. We're com comparing ourselves to what God has done for them, done for them, but He hasn't done anything for me. The Bible says in 2 uh, Corinthians chapter 10, it says, For those who compare themselves amongst themselves, they are unwise. We can't compare ourselves to other people. We can't compare ourselves to what God has been doing in other people's lives. Amen. We can't allow our circumstances to dictate to us. Oh, I just reached in the pocket, and I found a $50 bill. You know what that proves? I must have on somebody else's pants. That's a $50 bill. You see that? What's it worth? I'm not talking about... I'm not talking about Biden's inflation. I'm talking, what's it worth? $50. There's 50 big ones, right? 50 big ones. And so then that's the value of it. But then if, 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 if this is representing of us, and we see this $50, and this is what life is teaching us, this is what the world is giving us. Matter of fact, this is what lukewarm Christians are giving us. This is what lukewarm pastors are giving us. You're just not worth it. You're not just like them. You're, you're doing wrong. You're, you're devalued. You're not, you're not meeting the standard. How many of you have felt this? When, when we have problems, we have health situations. He's not helping you. He's not, he's, he doesn't care about you. 
you're dealing with this stuff and you're dealing with it over and over and over and over. Listen, let me tell you something. As a child of God, doesn't mean that we're not going to have problems and difficulties because the Bible didn't hide it from any of us. I see even the John the Baptist, who Jesus said that there was no prophet greater than John the Baptist. But he said, but even the least of you is greater than John the Baptist. He's talking about priests and kings under our God. So we see that we've been beat down and beat down, but then the Lord, He comes along. He, un, he unfurls us. He comes to us by His Word and by His presence. And He untangles our knots. And He sees what we are still worth. You can take a licking and keep on ticking. Bless the Lord. Amen? You're still worth what God said that you're worth. And the Bible says that we are priests and kings unto our God. You'll be the head and not the tail. You'll go over and not under. I will bless you in the city. I'll bless you in the, in the, in the field. I'll bless you rising. I'll bless you laying down. I'll bless you. I'll bless you. I'll bless you. But there's something that he takes care of his own people. In World War II, I'm going to put this $50 back in this guy's pants. In World War II, there was a ship that had been torpedoed. And all of these soldiers were then in the drink. They were in the ocean. But not only that, as it split, the hull split open because of the bomb blast, that then the fuel oil was all in the water, and it was on fire. So people trying to tread water in the middle of the night, and the, and the flames were so great, it was almost like uh, seven or eight football fields all put together, and this, this, this flame is coming right to them. How many of you know you can't just hold your breath while this thing passes over you? But there was a child of God that was in the water. And he started praying to his God. And he says, God, please deliver us. He said, there are, I have friends that, that are on this boat that do not know you, God. They do not know you. This will be, the, 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 be the flame before the flame because they do not know you. They're lost. Because they're lost, hell is their destiny. Right? So this flame will send them to the next flame. But he says, oh God, I pray that you would deliver me. I pray that you would deliver, that they might know you, God, that you would send forth your love to us and your compassion. And that whole time that this, this flame is still coming towards that, that child of God, their dog paddling in the water. And he's praying. So then all of a sudden, he heard God say, call them. He started calling to the soldiers who were under this, the same duress as he was. He says, come. He says, for God will deliver us. He said, but you've got to be around me. Come and be around me. Because why... Was he saying, come and be around me? Because God's going to deliver his own. Amen? God's going to deliver his own. He says, you come, be around me. You'll perish if you don't. And they started swimming. Like, dude, what have you got that we don't have? Here comes the flame. Here comes the water. It still is going to overtake them. How is this going to happen? And then more came and more came and then all of a sudden it comes closer 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 pastor to where it's right here where from where I am to you then all of a sudden God can divide water how many of you know that God likes playing in the water then all of a sudden the flame and that oil just did just like this 
and went all around them. And those, those people that were unbelievers that came to that became believers. Praise the Lord. His prayer, because he was a priest and a king unto his God, even in the midst of a trial. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the fiery furnace. And they said, listen, our God shall deliver us. But even if he chooses not to deliver us, we're not going to bow down to your system." It took him walking, those, those Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, those three boys, to testify of their God. And when old Nebuchadnezzar looked over, he said, didn't we, send, we, didn't we put three there? But he says, but there's four. Now, I'm going to give you a truth that you're not going to like. He said, but there's four. And one is likened unto the Son of God. That's what the King James says. Some of your simpler, newer translations says, he looks like one of the sons of the gods. I don't think that Bible's worth a nickel. Because that that's just disclaimed God. He says, For I, I mean, because it's right after that time that Nebuchadnezzar started changing. It wasn't until God drove him crazy for seven years that he came back and he testifies God. I believe that one day we shall see Nebuchadnezzar in glory because he has tested. He believed in his heart and he confessed with his mouth. Do you believe that? But this is the same thing that the Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, the same guy that, that the soldier that was in the water, is we serve the same God. So we, are, so we are priests and kings unto our God. Right? But it has to be in our attitude because our attitude determines our altitude. Is that right? If you're down in the dumps, you better watch it. This asphalt will skin your teeth, skin your lower lip. <coughs> God is a lifter of our head. Amen. So then, as we, we see that there is anointing, the Bible says in Isaiah chapter 59 that God was amazed, and it was a bad amazement. It was like amazed. We go, oh, that's, that's something. But no, he was amazed that he found no intercessor. He looked everywhere that he found no intercessor. He found no one praying. He found no one standing in the gap. You know the reason that we don't stand in the gap? Because we forget that we have the office of a priest. Or we didn't even think that we had the office of a priest. No, that's for the Catholics. They have priests. We have preachers. We have pastors. <laughs> God has priests. We are a royal nation. But he says we are a royal priesthood. Being a priest, but to be royal, say, well, that means that we're in God's family and he's a king. But the Bible says he's king of kings. And the whole reason that we are to be a king is to bring him glory. To talk about Jesus and bringing him glory in all that we do. I've, I've seen miracles. I've seen God do amazing things, folks. But it's when that I, I had to recognize who I was and I, I had to get busy. He gave me a job. He gave every one of us a job. He gave every one of us. And he says that, that we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works. Workmanship, the Greek word for that is, is that we are his poema. 
We are his workmanship. We are his poem. And that's where we get our word poem from. But I'm going to tell you what, there's sometimes in my life that I, my life has no rhyme or reason, so I can't be God's poem. But he, he doesn't care. He has preordained good works. He's preordained good works that we should walk in them. He's already predecided upon everybody that is in here that you raise your hand as a priest. He's predetermined everything for us, and he determines our bounds, the Bible says in the book of Acts. He determines our bounds and where we should even live. He's predetermined that stuff because he is strategically planting us around the world. So then when we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works, good works people. If you're turning your Bible to Isaiah chapter 61 for just a moment. Isaiah chapter 61, when Jesus was in the temple, he asked for a scroll. And he asked for a particular scroll. And this is the scroll that he asked for. And as he stood up in the midst of the people, he read this. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach the good tidings unto the meek. He, is, he sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to those that are held bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of the vengeance of our God and to comfort all of those that mourn. He is appointed unto them that mount in Zion to give unto them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, and the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they might be called the trees of righteousness." the planting of the Lord, that He may be glorified. Right? How many of you know that you can have the biggest, baddest truck, the most expensive truck out there, and you try to take on a 150-year-old oak tree, oak tree who's going to win? I'm in, I'm in a bad mamba-jamba truck. And you go up against that tree, who's going to win? The Bible says that we are the planting of the Lord. We are called trees of righteousness. We're the oaks of righteousness. That doesn't matter what comes against us. Whatever, there's no weapon formed against us that shall not prosper. That shall prosper. But the reason, folks, that we're not seeing God move like He used to is because we're not moving towards God. We pay these air prayers, these little quick prayers into Him. You know what an air prayer is? It's like that last-minute buzzer, you know, right before you throw the ball right for the buzzer. It's a last-minute prayer. But I found out that he wants us to come and speak to him about any and everything because he wants to fellowship with us. We were created by him. The Bible says in Colossians chapter 1 that we were created by him and for him and that by him does everything in us, every cell, it consists by Him. That means that if I consist by Him in the power of the Lord, and that I was created by Him and for Him and for His good pleasure, but if I'm not bringing Him pleasure, you understand? See, we want God to be instant. We want Him to be the microwave God. And God says, I've... 
I change not. We want Him to be the microwave God. We want it fast. We want it now. But how many of you know that prayer, you know, it says prayer changes things. You ever seen that bumper sticker? I found out as now that I've got more maturity and wisdom about it and, and been in the book, prayer changes the prayer. Because many times the prayer is at a deficit in their thinking. I have to have the mind of Christ. It is no longer I that lives, but now Christ Jesus who lives in and through me. I have prayed amiss. It says you pray and you have not because you pray amiss. You pray amiss. So then we blame it on God. God's just not listening. The Bible says in, in Psalm chapter 66, verse 18, that if I regard iniquity within my heart, He will not hear me. doesn't mean He can't. means that He won't. I tell you what, when the kids, my kids, wanted to go to Carowinds with their friends, they had a condition. Condition is clean your room up. Go get the bulldozer and clean your room up. So then, so they decided to have one of them, he thought, thought he was clever. So he put it up under all the stuff under his bed. And he said, I did it. So I went into his room and I said, you know, that bed's probably about a foot and a half taller than it was this morning. <laughs> Just kind of raised it up. So you can do all you want to do, but you're not going to Carowinds because you disobeyed. You did not listen to a simple thing. Clean your room and you can go. As a matter of fact, I'll give you some money for treats. See, God is here to perfect us. You know, we're saved from death, hell, and the grave. But you know something I, that Chuck Davis needs to be saved from? I have to be saved from myself on a daily basis. How about you? I have to be saved from myself, my ways. That's the reason he said, my ways are not your ways. My thoughts are not your thoughts. They're much higher than that. So when we see here, he's a great exchanger. You know, some of you, you need to exchange. You know, sometimes we're afraid to give up things because we're, we thought it would be at loss. But Jesus is a great exchanger. That whatever we give to him that is hurting us and harming us, he'll give us something in exchange. He, this says that he will give us uh, the garment of praise for a spirit of heaviness, beauty for ashes, and oil of joy for mourning. Right? But if all we have is ashes and all we have is mourning, and we're all having to say, I'm a child of God, I'm a believer, but I, I'm telling you what, I'm, I'm having trouble after trouble after trouble. The Bible says in Second Chronicles chapter 16, verse 9, it says, The eyes of the Lord, He searches to and fro throughout the whole earth. His, his eyes, Brother Larry, are looking throughout the whole earth, through all of His creation. He's looking, He says, to show Himself strong on behalf of those whose hearts are upright before Him. Isn't that a beautiful passage? He's looking for people that they're walking in ways in their priesthood. They're walking in this, this, we're in the kingdom of God. He says, listen, they'll say the kingdom was over, over here, the kingdom was over here. He says, but don't you believe him? Jesus said this himself, for the kingdom of God is not to be observed, but the kingdom of God is where? Within you. The kingdom of God is within you. 
And so then if we're not thinking about it, we're not meditating upon it, we're not walking in it, then we have not. We have not. We have not. I can't point fingers over here. I can't do that or there. I have to say, Lord, enlighten me. I pray that the eyes of your understanding be enlightened, the Apostle Paul says. Pray that the eyes of your understanding be enlightened, that you might understand. Right? I pray that you might. There are believers that I spend time with them so that they might. That to, to remove the scales from their eyes, yes, they're saved, they're redeemed, but many times you don't know if they will hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter into the, all the things that the Lord has prepared for those who love Him. Now, you, you folks are sitting up real close together. It's because he's, he's cold this morning. <laughs> Y'all sitting up close together. It's you in love. Well, matter of fact, I just heard the love song. Yeah, da 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 you sit close together because when you're in love with one another, you sit close. Right? You draw energy, you draw strength, right? But there's something that if I love, then I have an actions, I have deeds that I have. But that Second Chronicles chapter 16, verse 9, that the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong. It means that he's looking to show himself strong. He's showing himself to be faithful. He's showing himself, he was yearning to show himself mighty and strong and benevolent and giving and loving and to, to produce something for people to have nothing. But you know that verse? Semicolon. But you have not done so. So thereby you're going to have wars all the days of your life. He was speaking to his own people. He was speaking to his own people. He's searching throughout the whole earth to show himself strong in behalf of those whose hearts are upright before him. But you have not been so. You have been living below my means, saith the Lord. So you're going to have battles and wars all the days of your life. You're going to find out when you try to get out of this thing then something catches you over here. I mean, if you have, have you ever had a, had a tangle with a briar bush? I mean, once you get this off of you, then you got this one over here, and then you bend over to take care of that, and then you get on the leg. God is wanting to make us the head and not the tail. Thank you, Lord. You remember that $50 bill? See, God, He's making us pliable, right? He's, he's conforming us to the image of His Son, so it takes a little pressure, Right? But what happened to that $50 bill was something that, that came that, is, that, is, cru that is, is crushing and tears up. Yesterday I spent time with a man, and he didn't have love, didn't have love for his wife, and he's, it, just, it was a bad situation. But then I, as I talked to him more and more, I found out that he started getting abused by a parent at the age of six. And then all of these things, all through his life, all of these terrible things. So then he, I, if, if I were to, to diagnose him, which I can, I would say that he's a sociopath. Right? He's a sociopath. 
And so then my first reaction when he just talks about I, he didn't care about anybody, didn't care about his wife, didn't care about this, don't care about that. He didn't have self-love. A lot of people just go, okay, then he's broke, he's busted, so see you later, alligator, because I can't do anything to help you out. But I'm not going to do that. You know what's going to change him? He's got to be born again. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new then. So I can't just be mad at him the way he's, he's treating people. I have to have pity that makes a difference. The Bible says in the book of Jude for me to pray daily. Pray daily in the Holy Spirit. Pray in tongues daily that it might keep me in the love of God. doesn't mean that I, because I'm praying, God says, oh, I love them. They're praying. No, it keeps me in the God kind of love because I am a priest. It keeps me in God's kind of love. What kind of love does God have? He has agape love. Remember, there's, there's agape love, which is the unconditional love of God. Then there's uh, phileo, which is like friendship, like buddy-buddy. Larry and I, were buddy-buddies, right? Phileo, and then eros is like kind of what's, y'all better behave over here. It's kind of eros love, you know, that kind of. And so, but to have that kind of love that changes people, Right? They have that kind of love. It's just for us to pray daily in the Holy Spirit. Praying and keep us in the love of God, but having compassion that makes a difference. In this, and they shall build up the old waste, and they shall raise up the former desolations, and they shall repair the waste cities and the desolations of many generations. It's talking about you folks. And the strangers shall stand and feed your flocks, and the sons of the strangers shall also be your plowmen and your vine dressers. But you shall be named the priest of the Lord. Men shall call you ministers of our God. And you shall eat of the riches of the Gentile in their glory, so that you boast yourself. That you shall be called the priests. You shall be called ministers of God. Have y'all ever met someone that just whatever they do and whatever they say and wherever you find them in the, in the city or in the house of God or anywhere, there's just, they're just something about them. There's just a countenance about them. You know that God is with them. Matter of fact, you kind of clean yourself up just to kind of talk to them. Some of you might even go, oh, excuse my French. Listen, I took four years of French. That's not French. That's profanity. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about, don't you? You're, no. I mean, when people say, excuse my French, what in the world are they talking about? We know better. Yeah. That's, that's not French. But you shall be called ministers of our God. Folks, if you understand that you are a priest and a king, God has called you to do something. But you see this thing of former desolations or generational curses. I, was, I knew this lady as a grandmother, and she had these terrible things now where her uh, vertebrae inside it would just, the, the, uh, would just have buildup inside of her vertebrae. And I think you're a nurse, aren't you? So you know what I'm talking about, where inside it calcifies, and so it gets bigger and bigger. It's like a pipe getting corroded, and then it starts pinching on the, the, on the spinal cord. 
And when you start pinching on the spinal cord, even you know when the disc gets out of joint, but this was growing from the inside like that. And so then it just gave her all kinds of malady in her legs and her hands. Things would be numb or things would just, she'd be in pain all the time because, I mean, it's not so where you kind of move, you know, like if you slept wrong. This is a continual chronic pain. So not only does she have it, then her daughter has it, has the very same thing where it's doing this. So I'd, And then, then her daughter, so here's the grandmother, the mother, and the granddaughter, and they're all having this thing. It's generation after generation. Now, I, I believe in hereditaries, you know, stuff that through, through heredity, right? But I also believe that there's the sins of the forefathers of it on the second and third generation. So not only did I go to pray for them, you know, to pray for, for, for the relief of the pain. So we, we would do that. We'd go, okay, I'll pray for the relief of the pain. But because I'm a priest, God spoke something in my mind and said, There's, this is more than, this is generational. This is more than heredity. And so then I had to take charge and take authority because of the, what was happening to the grandmother was happening to that had already started happening to the granddaughter. And so then I said, all right, we're going to take charge over this thing. We're going to have authority over this. And I'm going to pray that this generational curse thing stop right now because the granddaughters already start having problems and maladies I said we're going to stop it right now in the name of Jesus Christ that this is not going to happen to your children or your children's children it's not going to happen to them it's going to stop not only are we going to pray for that the pain will go away but we're going to pray that the whole thing will stop altogether and because I took the authority because I'm a priest and a king and to God and, I, and God whispers something more don't just have a basic air prayer Right? Praise Don't God. have just an air, air prayer and go, oh, I did my job. <whistles> Kumbaya. No, because many times they're in worse shape when we leave. Oh my God. How many of you know? But that stopped, and no more problems did it have after that because we have to have wisdom and knowledge. We have to have wisdom and knowledge in the power of God. So did, did, did they glorify God after that? You bet your bitches they did. Hallelujah. They glorified God after that. So then we also know that because you're a priest and a king, we are, and God was amazed that he found no intercessor, he's calling us to pray. He's looking for people to pray, that they love a chance to pray. I don't know if I told you this story before. I had a pastor, Pastor Tolliver, who lived beside me. Uh, many years ago, and he's with the Lord now. But back during the Depression, they, they had to get their crops in, you know, because not only they had to get their crops in because you have to harvest them, but people would steal their crop, right? Because it was the Depression. Everybody was, they were starving. So then they would get the neighbor's kids, and they would all get together, and so they would go out before school early in the morning. Right before the kids had to go to school and people had to go to work if they had a job. But, but Pastor Tolliver, he was working as fast as he could, whether plucking corn or plucking beans, whatever. And he was going as fast as he could. And then his friend said, listen, Tolliver, you're going to have to, you're gonna have to slow down because you're making us all look bad. <laughs> so why are you doing this so fast? And he said this, even as a young man teenager. He said, because I do four rows and then I can fall down after the fourth row on my knees and spend time with my God. Praise God. 
I don't know what that does for you. That tears me up. I'm going to work so hard so that I can fall on my knees and spend time with my Jesus because he's so good to me. Pastor Tolliver, when he died, they passed the baton. He, he, had, he had ordered all these batons that they have like in the Olympics and when people are running races and stuff. And he wanted to be sure that everybody that was at his, his memorial service was given a baton because he said, listen, I'm passing the baton to you. Now you run the next leg of this journey to Jesus Christ. On the date of his death, Pastor Tolliver had 64 men stationed all around the world that are in full-time ministry that he had led to the Lord. And they are in full-time ministry all around the world. 64 people. That's fruit. And so not, not only was he a father in the faith, he became a grandfather in the faith and a great-great-grandfather in the faith. Think about that. How many children do you have in the Lord? How many children's children do you have in the Lord? So this, when it says that you shall build up the old waste and the, and this, and the desolations, the Bible says this. If you're an intercessor and if you're praying and you're believing, have, have praying believing, the Bible says in Psalm 107, verse 20, it says, God sends forth His Word, and He heals them, and He delivers them from all of their destructions. You know in people that are living a destructive life right now. Do you, do you know of anybody that I met? They are, they, they're having hell every day. You know people like that? And so you, you try, listen, but He said He'll send forth His Word and heal them. And he'll deliver them from all of, all of their destructions. How many of you know that the, our greatest enemy is ourself? One time they had D.L. Moody. Remember D.L. Moody? You've heard about him, the great preacher. You like Billy Graham beforehand? And so he was preaching and teaching one time. And he said, listen, there is no demon in hell. There is no devil in this world that gives D.L. Moody any more problems than D.L. Moody. He, understand his, he, he understood his own problems, his own difficulties, and his own challenges. So as we think about this, I thought desolations. A, a, a month and a half ago, I, I came across the path of this fellow by the name of Jody. And Jody was in, it was in a bad way. Jody had not grown up in church. He didn't know anything about church. He didn't know anything. I mean, he knew about God. He just heard about God. He heard about Jesus and all that. But he had never participated in anything. But yet his life was in dire straits. And so instead of said, well, brother, I'll be praying for you. You can't do that. Because he may, he may step off the porch step and, and, and pass away. And then his blood will be on my head. His blood will be on my hands. That's what the Bible says in Ezekiel, that if I have the truth and I don't share the truth and they perish, then I, I, will, I will give an account for them. I will give an account. Their blood shall be on my hands. But then it says, but if, if I do share with them and they turn me down and they refuse me, their blood shall be on their hands. But if I share and they receive, the blood just covers the sins. And then we, are, we can both have rejoicing together. Do you know anybody 
that really needs to hear Jesus about Jesus. Jody did. I said, Jody, did you not know that, that Jesus, he loved you enough that he, he paid the penalty of his own self for you? He says, well, I didn't know that. I said, it's true. I said, did you know that today you could become a child of God? You be, can, can be forgiven of every sin that you have ever committed. He says, I don't know. There's too many. See, the reason he didn't want to, to ask, you know, to pray is that because, number one, he didn't believe that God could love him. And then number two, he, he was afraid that he would go do it again after you pray. Go do the same stuff. Y'all know anybody like that? I mean, I know, I know believers. I know believers that will come in a deliverance line and they'll pray, but they're already worried that they're going to do it tomorrow. Because they need to have an understanding, a brand new, fresh understanding. Because if they can do it on their own strength and their own power, then why did Jesus even come in the first place? Right? If you can fix yourself, have at it, baby. And then you'll come back, just come back weebling and wobbling all over again. And you'll, matter of fact, you'll have more burden than you had when you came in here the first time. You know that? So I know that. So God is faithful. So, so by the time I, I, that, that it was over, Jody had given his heart to Jesus. He said, you mean that he would accept me after all I've done? I said, oh, you know how I know? I know for a fact that he will forgive you and, and cleanse you because of all you've done. Because I've done more than you. And he forgave me. Right? I've done more than you, and I knew better. You just do what you do. How, how do we expect sinners to act in the first place, folks? Sinners are going to act like a sinner. Right? So it has to be, I mean, if you can't tell, you know, it says always be ready to give an answer for the reason for our hope. Did you know that if they're not asking us for the reason of our hope, they don't see anything? There's no lights on in the house. Right? What if I got different than them? They're like, you just like me. We're all in the same boat, aren't we? No, I'm not. No, I'm not. I'm not in the same. So then I have to go, am I giving God glory? Because you know what I am, Brother Rodney? I'm a temple of the Holy Spirit. Today is Pentecost Sunday. The Holy Spirit came on that day and people spoke languages that they did not learn. They didn't go to school. I took four years of French and I, I failed every year. <laughs> you know, I just did. I was good at failing. I mean, I was number one in my class in failing. No, I wasn't that bad. But I was, come see, come saw. So, Jody came to the Lord. Two weeks ago, I had a guy come across my path named Bucky. So old Bucky, he had troubles. He had situations. He had addictions. He had troubles. He had struggles. He, had, he was having a bad time in his world. So I talked to him and talked to him about the love of God. You know, it's the goodness of the Lord that leads people to repentance. Yeah. Romans chapter 2, verse 4. That it's the goodness of the Lord leads the people to repentance. But Bucky, he needed, he needed the Lord. And so I started sharing with him and talking to him. And see, I'm not going to talk to anybody's head because they, you don't win people when you go with their head. I'm going for the heart. 
I've won three Jehovah Witnesses to Jesus Christ, and it's all through their heart and not their head. If they want to debate me, if they want to debate me on the, on the Green Bible, you know, their Green Bible, and says that, that you know, it's, that Jesus is not the Lord, he's not God, he's not the Lord, bring it on, but that's not going to get them anywhere. So then I won one guy in Atlanta, Georgia, to Jesus Christ, one Jehovah Witness. I won one guy on the golf course. It was, it was, it was so cool. I was going to play with my son one day, so we were, we're going to play, and so we're going to play golf. And this guy comes running out, and he says, Hey, man, he says, can I play nine holes with you? Because I don't have anybody with me today. So my, bro my son and I, we like to play by ourselves because we're about even. <laughs> you know, sometimes, sometimes I, I play uh, golf militarily. Left, right, left, right, left, right. <laughs> That's why I play. But I said, okay, won't you come? So then I started talking with him. And so about the third hole, I told my son, Jared, I said, Jared, you need to pray for him because I'm, I'm talking to this guy about the Lord. He said, Dad, I've been praying since the first hole because I already knew what you're going to be doing. <laughs> I'm a priest. How do you expect priests to act? That's true. So he was only going to play nine holes. But so I, I, I really meant that I'd let him out. I really meant I'd let him out. I, you know, I changed the subject. And he, he, like, I mean, he was hearing stuff, Right? I want them to have fruit of repentance. I don't want them to have a jailhouse confession. Right? So by the ninth, he begged me. He says, can I please go play, uh, pay for nine more holes so I can ride with you guys? And so on the 18th green, the last hole, I won him to Jesus Christ. And I said, hey, Patrick, he was from Boston. And I said, Patrick, I said, I got something in the truck I want you to have. I had have, I have this perfect little Bible that I would take to the hospital when I'd pray for people. had this little clasp on it, a little leather thing. Oh, boy, it was perfect. I loved that thing. But I knew that he needed it more than I did. So I went into Jesus that day, changing a whole generation, changing a whole lifestyle, changing a religion. And with tears in his eyes, he received Jesus that day, and he got that Bible. Folks, we have to make it fun because these people are on the preface. Of, I mean, they're just right on the edge of hell. The Bible says in the book of Isaiah that, that hell's mouth is enlarging every day. It's enlarging every day. In, in that same chapter through there, it says, they'll call that which is good evil and that which is evil good. They'll call that which is sweet bitter and that which is bitter they'll call it sweet evil. Are we living there now? How many of you know that the true victim now is, is the culprit? They let the, they'll let the culprit go free. We are in a day where they call that which is good evil and that which is evil good. And hell is enlarging its mouth. Day by day it's getting bigger and bigger and bigger. Why? Because broad is the way that leads to destruction, but narrow is the way that leads into life. Narrow is the way doesn't mean that we're narrow thinkers, right? It means that we're trusting in God, and He gives us anointing that, that make a difference. I was the chaplain for, for Dr. Billy Graham at his, his wife Ruth's funeral, the private ceremony, not the one up in Black Mountain, but the one that was at the library. So I was there, and I was a chaplain to the family, and Franklin was, we were in the Rotona, we were asking about the casket that had been made for her, 
we had, she, they had offers from all over the world that people give them fine stuff with real gold handles and all this stuff for her. She said, no, I don't want that. I want the, I want the prisoners to build my casket. And one from Angola Prison in Louisiana, the bloodiest prison in, in North America, where people had been born again and saved, and they wanted to build this thing. It was a rough, I mean, it was a, it was a rough box is really what it was. Old wooden handles, and I thought, well, I hope those things will hold up. So Franklin's standing there telling me about this. So I'm spending time that day with the Graham family, and to hear Billy stand there, oh, Dr. Graham, stand there and give the epitaphs for his wife. And it was just, it was just sharing there. Just what a privilege and honor. But I, I had worked with a grave digger before and other funerals. So I, so I knew him. I mean, he, he, he cussed like, I mean, it's like nobody's business. I mean, if, if you took out the cuss words out of his language, he wouldn't say a lot. You know what I'm saying? It was more than, it was just filler. I mean, just real clean words were filler. But I, I prayed. It was on a Sunday. I had to get somebody else to preach in my, in my pulpit that Sunday. And so I said, look, I called, I called my wife and, and my daughter, and I said, look, I want you to pray because I, I said, Bobby's here, and I want to win him to the Lord today. I really want to win him to the Lord. They said they prayed, and they said they would. And, um, and so then that day is towards the end of the day. Um, Bobby had finished it. Ruth had they'd already lowered her in the ground. They put the, the sod over it before they let the news people come in. I saw Bobby. He was leaving. I ran up there. And I said, Bobby, Bobby, Bobby. You know, I had my throat in my neck, you know, because I'd prayed and had these other people to pray. So we've got to follow through, right? So I go up and said, Bobby, i got to talk to you for a minute. And I said, are you are you going you're going through some things, aren't you? And then he said, Yeah, I am. Then all of a sudden the Lord gave me a word of knowledge. Y'all know what a word of knowledge is? It's where God speaks something to your spirit that's impossible for you to know. It's not ESP, folks. No, it's G O D. It's not ESP, it's G O D. It's God. So I shared something. I said, Bobby, this is what you're going through, isn't it? And I was, I'm telling you, he he turned white as a sheet. He said, How did you know that? I said, I didn't know that, but God knew it, but he cares for you. And he's, he wants to help you in that whole situation. Not only he wants to, he wants to embrace you in that situation. He wants to love you through that situation. He wants to give you hope and a future. He wants to give you desire and joy, unspeakable, full of glory. So then that day, Bobby the grave digger received Jesus Christ into his heart. And we did it right on the sidewalk beside Dr. Graham, Billy Graham's childhood home that's out there at the library. Folks, he has preordained these people to walk in this. Glory, glory, glory. It was a privilege and an honor to be there with Dr. Graham. But oh, Amen. to take somebody and, and, and lead them to glory was glorious. Amen? You're a priest and a king. He's looking for fruit. He has a desire to show himself strong on your behalf because you're walking with the right attitude and a right heart. Semicolon. But you have not been so. And thereby, that's the reason you have wars and battles all the days of your life. That's what it says. Did you know, did you know that in the, in, 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 the, in, the, uh, in the Bible where it says that 
if my people that have humbled themselves and prayed, then I shall hear the prayer and hear from heaven, and I shall hear their, uh, heal their land. How many of y'all quoted? That's beautiful. I mean, we'll march to that one, and we'll, we'll hallelujah and all that kind of stuff. Have you read the two verses above it? Have you? Have you ever had anybody teach you on that? Did you know that God says, I'm going to send a problem to you? I'm going to send a battle to you. I'm going to send the problem that you have to be healed from because you haven't been a good steward of what I've asked you to be a steward of. If you're going to do, the Bible says we should do the whole counsel of God. Yes, if, if, if we humble ourselves and pray, He shall hear from heaven and He shall heal our land. We praise God, we should give a hallelujah. But we see that we got in the place that we had to be healed because we were walking in dangerous places. I had one guy, he says, God will protect me. He, he was going over, he started witnessing to these people at, at the topless bar there in Charlotte. He said, God will protect me. But one guy came out there and didn't like it and cut him from here all the way down to where his bowels came out. I said, God, God will heal me. And I said, yeah. You know, how he, you know how he protects you many times? Through discernment. God orders the step of a righteous man, but I'm going to tell you something. He also orders their stops too. We have to listen. You proceed or you do not proceed. Because he has to prepare them first. Right? Am I telling you some truth here that's kind of shocking you? I love that boy. He had fervor. He had, he, but, but I had another guy. He says, yes, bless God. I believe that I'm supposed to go and minister to those fellows in there. And, you know, and I, God gave me a word and I said, no, you're going in there because you're one of them. He turned white as a sheet and started weeping bitterly. It's an excuse. Right? Don't be pious. You phony baloney. Don't be pious. You phony baloney. Right? But I want to tell you there are people that there are beautiful things because they, they understand the priesthood. They're beautiful things. They understand the priesthood. You know, we get discouraged sometimes. I talked about John the Baptist and I didn't finish it. Holy Spirit just reminded me. When John the Baptist, Jesus said, for he is, he is the, one of the greatest prophets, greater than any that are there. He said, but even one of the simplest ones of you shall be greater than John the Baptist. The Pharisees, were, they were afraid of John the Baptist. They were afraid of him. I mean, when he was out there in the wilderness, they came out there and he called them broods of vipers and, and the axe is, is, is at the root. He's going, God's going to chop you down, brothers. Right? That's what he's going to do. So they were afraid of him, but then all of a sudden, John gets arrested. He's also, when he declared that Jesus, when Jesus came to him, he says, For there's the Son of God, for I'm not even worthy to even bend down and unlatch his sandals. Right? He knew who he was. And Jesus said, You baptize me. He said, No, you need to baptize me. He said, No. So this might fulfill all the prophecy that you need to do this, John. But then John gets arrested. You know, you know the story. John gets arrested, and now he's in the jailhouse, and he has a sentence of death upon him. So what did John the, the apostle, I mean, John the Baptist do? One of the greatest men born to women, 
What happened to him when he was in the jailhouse now? He sent some of his disciples, some of his followers to Jesus, and he said, listen, are you the one or should we look for another? Which meant, I'm in the jailhouse now, and they're gonna, I'm going to lose my head. Are you the one or should we look for another? Right? How many of you know that sometimes God sends us to a valley so that we might find other people that are there that have no hope? I want to tell you, this is an understanding that will help you out. I used to wor- I wonder, why in the world am I in this valley, God? Why am I in this valley? God, did you go to the kitchen for a sandwich while all this stuff was happening to me? Why are all these difficulties and things happening to me? Why does it happen to good people? Right? I've, I've wondered these things, but I'm going to tell you something that happened one day. I used to go to this little chapel in Charlotte for my lunch. I'd spend time there praying my whole lunchtime. They had this, like, this little altar, this little small little six pews in there and stuff, an old Moravian chapel. I'd go there and spend time with God. And I remember I just had this dark cloud valley that I was in. I was walking out the day, and I just had to talk to the Lord. And it was, a matter of fact, it was overcast outside. I said, God, why? Why do you take me? Why do I go to these valleys? I'm trying to do what everything you've asked me to do. All of a sudden, he says, I, you're in the valley because I sent you there to find what I want you to see. So now, I, instead of saying, God, why am I in this valley? Why have you allowed this? I say, what is it that you want me to learn and who is it you want me to find while I'm down here? Did you know that I come out of those valleys? But I got people with me. And I'm learning stuff. And so now my valleys are even good things. Folks, this is a wisdom. This, this is a wisdom. Because sometimes we go, or many times we go to the valley, not because we're going to the woodshed, but it's there because we're there to learn and to reach out and gather other people with us because He has preordained good works that we should walk in. Isn't that beautiful? Hallelujah. But I want to say there's a beautiful thing that about men of God and people of God is that they many times they have successors you know pastoring over the years I, I used to hate to lose people didn't lose them because they were mad and had their, their neck out of joint but they said you know God has called me to this work God has called me to this ministry and I, it, it, you know when they don't scoot up to the table anymore it breaks your heart you're going to have your heart broken more than once girl pastor but so it's something because then, then God calls them to move to another state. God calls them to duplicate what you put into them. They said, I, I can't thank you for all the stuff you poured into my life over the years, Pastor Joe. So now I want to go do it myself. You have to give them away. You know, my kids, my, my daughter, the one that's a missionary, and so... I had to raise her up, and she said, Dad, I feel called to China to be a missionary. And I'm like, there's plenty of Chinese people here because I go to their restaurant about two or three times a week. There's Chinese people here. She didn't like that. But you know something about it? It broke my heart. Because I'm like, I can't swim the Pacific fast enough to get there to help her. But you know something? I'm her dad. I'm her daddy. 
that he's her father. God is her father. He supersedes me. He trumps any card that I might pull out. So I had to let her go. But praise the Lord. At last count, before they, they were forced to leave China, there were 130 new believers in Jesus Christ that she had to win one at a time. Amen. And some of them are now in prison because of their faith and belief in Jesus. Okay, now I want to, to share this last thing. You know, when we are a priest and a king, or when you are someone that is faithful to God, then God is looking for people that He is He chooses chosen arrows. How many of you know that if you were an archer and you were in a competition, there's that one arrow that you know that's going to win? It has never let you down. It's tried and it's true. When Moses was serving the people, a lot of them were, they were hard to serve. Then he put the tent of meeting outside the camp. So when Moses would go to that tent of meeting to meet with God, to hear God, to hear His voice, it said that when the people knew that he was going to go here, talk to God in that tent of meeting, they called it a tent of meeting. This was really before the tabernacle was really built. So it says that when Moses started walking from his tent, that everyone in Israel stood just outside their tent door and they watched the man of God walk before them to go and pace himself to go hear about God, from God, what to do about the people. Where do we go from here? He had to be close to God. He had to hear God so that God can say how this is how you lead the people. You know the reason a lot of pastors fail? It's because they're doing what they think should be done rather than asking God, what do you want to be done? I've always, I've, over the years, I've had pastors, and they'll say, hey, Pastor Chuck, I'm, I'm kind of dry on sermons. Can, can you kind of give me some of your notes? I said, absolutely. Let me go get my notes right now. And I said, here it is. I don't have a file drawer. Matter of fact, I don't, I don't have, what do I have? Right? So then he was going, and everyone, every one of them stood in their tent door and watched him do it. But then as he went in, the Bible says in Exodus chapter 33, is where he went into the tent of meeting and everybody watched him. So in Exodus 33, he would go in and the Bible says that, that God would speak to him as speaking face to face. He had to go in, he had to have worship. He had to go in and he had to have speech, he had to have confession, I'm sure. Because Moses was not perfect. So he was going and talking to God. He, he may even have some worship where he sang to the Lord. Wouldn't that be cool? So he talked to God and then as he, he got the word, then he walked back to his tent. But there was somebody that was standing there and was always in the company of Moses. And that was Joshua. And it said that Joshua stood outside the tent of meeting. Joshua was listening and hearing how the man of God was talking to the Lord and how the Lord was talking to him. How he worshipped God and how God received the worship. How many of you know the Bible says in 1 Samuel, it says God will honor those who honor him. God says, I will honor those who honor me. More than little air prayers. More than praying for a good parking space. May, oh God, I'm late. Let me park near the building. No. 
See, folks, we, we speak to God as a beggar. We're begging God to do something. The Bible says, let your prayers and requests and your supplications be made known unto God with thanksgiving. That means you thank Him before you even get the answer. That's not audacious. That's what He told us to do. We thank Him before we even get the answer. That's what priests do. I know. Not my will, but your will is going to be done. Right? So Joshua was standing outside. So when Moses went back, it says that Joshua lingered outside. Joshua lingered there at the tent because he wanted God to. We see there's a succession of people in, in the Bible. We had Elijah the prophet, right? Elijah the prophet, the great prophet. When he was going to move on, then Elisha was following in his footsteps. He was watching Elijah following in his footsteps. And he says, I want a double portion of, of the anointing that you have. I want a double portion of what you have utilized. I want to give you a little, little trivia here. He got that double portion of anointing, that twice as much of what Elijah had. Did you know that the Bible records seven miracles that, Elijah, that God did through the hands of Elijah? There are 14 miracles that are, <laughs> that are attributed that God did through Elijah. Just a little trivia. That even God even shows that he doubled the portion of, of the anointing. So there was a succession of Joshua after Moses. Then there was also a succession after uh, Elisha, Elisha followed after Elijah. And I believe that that's the thing that, that will happen here, folks, too. I'm honored. You and I have been pals for a long time. And you, and you still ask me to come on the front porch. That's a good thing. So praise the Lord. But he stayed the course. He's run, he's run his battle. He's still, he's still an intercessor. You still are an intercessor. You're still a priest. You're still a king. You still serve God. I want you to choose Mary's portion over Martha's portion. You'll sit at the feet of Jesus. That you'll study, Larry. You'll study the Word of God, not for a sermon, but you'll study the Word of God to pray it. To pray the Word of God. Because I'm going to tell you something, young man. The Bible says, if you open your mouth, I'll fill your mouth with my word, God says. And he says, when you speak that word, there'll be an anointing on it. But so when you speak that word, he says, I'll watch over that word to perform it. Do you understand? Where, what, whether you sit in the backyard or sit at your kitchen table, you start studying to serve your God in a, in a more of an intimate way. Would you do that? Or I'll just tell you step up because you're probably already doing that. I don't know. Right? Don't study to have a sermon. Not you either. You can't just study to have a sermon. It's got to come out of you. You cut me, I'll bleed scripture. Right? But it didn't get in there by osmosis. It didn't get there by me sleeping on my Bible and hoping it'll suck in. That doesn't happen. So I would like to say that there will be a succession from one minister to another minister that the people of God be cared for and taken care of. So, Brother Larry.
got to be green, hadn't it? Now I'd ask Jennifer and Shane to come up over this side. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Pastor Chuck's a super guy. He's more than a super guy. Great preacher. Man of God. And for this service and this time of the service, this is uh, just a symbol of what my wife had mentioned to me that might be a good thing to do is just to pass the torch. And our words to... Uh, Jennifer and Shane would be to preach the word. Be ready in season, out of season. Rebuke, reprove, exhort with all long suffering. And the grace of God be with you always. And the Spirit give you direction. For 28 years, God has blessed our ministry. Appreciate God's people that have blessed us through the Lord. And now I just trust the ministry that you will take on, but also be blessed of the Lord. Amen. Praise God, brother Pastor Chuck. What a beautiful thing this is. Praise the Lord. I, I, um, my heart is always warm when I see people step out for the glory of God. And this is something, it's an awesome responsibility, but I want to tell you, your dad pastored for, what, almost 50 years? 47 years. In a, a, a different pace and a different world than you are. But I want you to understand that you're going to have to stay so close to God because you're going to need a, a greater anointing. Because the things that we're dealing with now you didn't have to deal with as much that in that way. But I want you to know how God has honored you. That he has chosen you from the foundation of the world. He knew your name before your parents named you. He knew your name from, from the foundation of the world. But he chose you, Jennifer, to be a minister in the last days of Jesus Christ. Before we shall see the coming of the Lord. Right? So it means that we're going to be dealing with a whole lot of different things. But he says on his last days, he'll pour out his spirit upon those that are willing, really. For those that are willing, and you're going to break the yokes of bondages. You're going to march in. I've, I've got to tell this story. I want to, I want to say something to you. I've got to tell it. I'm sorry. Yes. In, the, in the book of First um, um, Samuel, chapter 23, he talked about a mighty man. And this mighty man, they had the Philistines. There was a whole army, a whole troop of the Philistines that were coming and, and taking people's land and all that kind of stuff. This man found out that they were going to cross into his land. And he had a patch of beans. It was a lentil field. He went and he said, they're not going to do this because I'm called of God. And he withstood that whole army and killed every one of them over a bean field. You've got souls. You're not going to let anybody come into this bean patch. Praise God. You're not going to let anybody come into them. You're going to fight them off. 
and it says that God gave him great victory, or God got great victory that day. Amen. So uh, you didn't think that I would tell her, talk to her about Beanfield, did you, brother? <laughs> no, sir. <laughs> but that that man stood his ground, is what I'm saying. Jennifer, you're going to have to stand your ground. You will not be moved. You shall not be shaken. Yes, God. But you'll stand fast, and I want you to expand the tent pegs, kingdom of God, and occupy till he comes. Father, you see this that is happening today, dear God, that the mantle is being removed from one and placed upon another. This mantle, dear God, can be heavy, but it can also be a delight. But I just pray, Father, that Jennifer have a mantle in between both for her to be eager and never complacent, that she would be on fire for God and not just settle that she's got all the answers. I pray, Father, that she would bind up the wounds of the broken heart it set at liberty, those who are held captive, that she would declare the vengeance of our God and His coming. pray, Father, that she would always be tried and true to the Word of God, not in through opinion, but thus saith the Lord God Almighty. I pray, Father, that you watch over her words and to perform it. I pray, dear God, that when messages come from this, this altar, from this pulpit, dear God, that it will ignite the people, that they will duplicate, and that they will win souls, they'll lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover, that, they, that, it, whether, that whatever people are needing, I pray, dear God, that you pour out a spirit of virtue on this place and send the people forth. And I ask this. Pray, Father, for Shane, dear God, that he would be a great support, and, Father, that he too is a minister, that he shall minister in the house of God and care for people. I pray, Father, not only will he call for prayer request, but if God, he will declare they're going to be done, thus saith the Lord. And I pray this. So may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you, be gracious unto you. May he lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace by the Prince of Peace himself, the Lord Jesus Christ, both now and forever. Amen. This Praise is God. this is a spirit.